Hey everybody, welcome back to the Nerd Nest Podcast. I am Bill, and today we are joined by, or I am joined by, Kyle and Russ. What's going on, guys? Kyle, what's shaking? Hey, not much. Uh, just uh, having fun hanging out with you guys. Awesome. Russ, what's going on, man? You just got back from your whirlwind trip. Yeah, I'm jet lagged, so it's funny. It wasn't a long time zone difference, but it's just just enough to screw up our sleep schedules. So, yeah, I, th- I think just getting on a plane just automatically screws things up. And uh, uh, did you you had to get on like lots of planes, right? Because you went to different places, many planes. Yeah. So, like for example, from Hawaii to Bali, which is the first place we went, it was three different flights, and there was like four to five hour layovers in between each of them too. And so, oh my gosh, yeah, we were we were on the road for a long time just getting there. That's awesome. And you brought like devices with you to keep you entertained. Yeah, my Steam Deck was it's funny because I packed everything. I thought about this for weeks ahead of time. I was like, I'm going to bring my WinMax 2. It's like a laptop plus a handheld can get everything done in one. And I packed it up and I just knew in the back of my mind, I was like, I'm not going to play this thing. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I put the Steam Deck in there. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to cram the Steam Deck inside. And I'm so glad I did because it was the perfect device to bring. So. That's awesome. And you may, you put out a video about that, right? When you got back? Yeah, I did. And uh, yeah, I just went this morning as a, a recording here today. And yeah, it's doing pretty well. It's funny. It's one of those things I don't want to talk about travel a lot, but a lot of people ask about it. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to do the whole shebang. And so I even filmed a little bit on my phone while I was on travel. And so I put all of those clips in there too. And so it's a pretty fun video. Awesome. All right. So uh, before we get to the news, I just want to let everybody know that uh, you can submit topics in the comment section on the YouTube channel, if you uh, want, just like uh, Rue3005 and Fender178 did, if your topics get picked for the show, uh, I'll send you a, a, a code for a game on Steam. I'll reply to you. Uh, it won't be on Telegram or any of that nonsense. I'll, I'll give you the code right, right, right in the comment section. So make sure that you look out for that if you do leave comments. Uh, we've got two topics that we're sending this week that we're going to talk about at the end of the show, but I figured I'd give everybody a quick preview about what we're going to be talking about. Uh, Rue3005 gave us this really cool topic that got all of us thinking about uh, games from different decades, like our, our, our favorite games that we're going to want to have from different decades. So we'll talk about that at the end of the show. And then Fender, uh, they asked us something about a possibility of a certain MMO coming to the Xbox. And we will talk about that at the end of the show as well. But first, let's talk about the games that we've been playing. Russ, what have you been playing? Well, what did you play while you were out and about? Yeah, so I only ended up playing two games. Number one, uh, I had just a main goal of beating Tears of the Kingdom while I was gone because I want to do the spoiler cast with you guys. And so uh, I put it on my Steam Deck, and I've been playing it mostly on that anyway. Just and we've talked about it before, but you know, I need my cheats, and <laughs> so I did all that. And uh, yeah, I played through it, so I finished it. Uh, I was about two thirds of the way done already, but it's still like that end game part took me forever. We'll talk about that during the spoiler cast or cast, but. Um, yeah, so I finished Tears of the Kingdom, and so I probably sunk 10, 12 hours into that just from all those flights. And then uh, Hades was the other game that I would just kind of, you know, at night when we got back from the hotel and we're just trying to cool off in the AC, I would kind of, you know, bring up the Steam Deck and play that. And so I ended up beating that game another seven times. And so it's one wow. of those games you got to get in the loop, you know. And so mm-hmm. I beat it one time already, um, but you're supposed to beat it like 10 times to get the full story. And so I'm still kind of going through that, but really enjoyed that experience too. 
I love that game. I haven't even beat it once uh, just because my attention span is terrible. And every time I feel like I've got, oh, I've got a good build this time and then I get killed. I'm like, <laughs> I'm never going to get that good of a build again. And so then I just <laughs> never get back to it. Uh, Kyle, what'd you play this week, man? Uh, well, we didn't have the podcast last week, so I'll mention that too. I mm -hmm. uh, completed God of War Ragnarok last uh, Wednesday, I think. And uh, I started Persona 5 since... What'd you think of? Uh, I, I didn't play God of War Ragnarok. I played the first one. I liked it. I didn't love it as much as everybody else. What did you think of God of War Ragnarok? Did you feel like it was a step up or a step down from God of War, whatever the last one was? It just called God of War. It was just God of yep. War. Yeah. Yeah. Just God uh, it was of definitely War. a step up. I beat uh, God of War last year, and then yeah, Ragnarok was a step up. It was kind of like a Breath of the Wild, the Tears of the Kingdom thing. Everything that was there just got improved upon. So it was mm -hmm. a it was a much better experience overall, I think. And then uh, Persona 5, how many hours do you think you're into it so far? Uh, I think when I saved last night, I think I was at 14. Nice. Are you, you're, you, are you enjoying that game or uh, oh, yeah. how are you feeling about it? Yeah, it's a great time. Um, I've been splitting my time between PC and Steam Deck, and it plays great on deck. Um, but, I mean, it's just been a very relaxing, kind of uh, like old-era Final Fantasy turn-based, but with extra strategy, so it's been it's been amazing. I do love the menus in that game. Just, oh, yeah. just, just the way it looks. It looks so alive, and, and it... it I don't know how to describe it. It just looks friggin' awesome. I love the menus in that game, which is a stupid thing to say, but I just, I think that they did a great job with that. The art direction and music in that game are like phenomenal. Yeah, my son always talks about how much he likes the music from uh, Persona 5, and I haven't put enough time into it to appreciate that, but it's definitely a game that I've been interested in. I always kind of just shoved it away because I know it's like, from from what I understand about the game, it like takes place in high school, and yeah. I teach high school, so I spend enough time in high school. So I was like, <laughs> I don't think so. That's not for me. But everybody keeps saying how good the game is, so maybe I need to finally give it uh, another shot. Um, for me, this week I went retro, and I've I've got my my uh, my computer set up with uh, MU Deck for Windows. And uh, I've been I've been using this uh, video game controller, which is the Mega Drive uh, style six button layout from Eight Bit Do or Eight Bit Do, however it is that you want to say it. Um, and I've been playing Sega Genesis games like crazy. And but the one that I've been putting the most time into has to be Streets of Rage 2, which I don't know that I ever played that back in the day. I know I played the original Streets of Rage, but Streets of Rage 2. I don't think that I played that on the Genesis. I don't think any of my friends owned it. I am really loving that game. It's so much fun. I think I'm up to like level eight. Or it's, I'm at the beach is, is how far that I've gotten. But I keep getting the game over and back to the beginning and have to start over. But it's really, really fun. And I, I love that Like I'll be playing or something and my wife will be like, hey, can you come help me in the garden or something? And I just hit start and select and the whole thing just shuts down and I walked out and, you know, help her with whatever. And when I come back and I start the game up, it jumps right back into exactly where I was when I left off because I used one of Russ's guides to figure <laughs> out, like, you know, how is it that I get to get it to do that? Uh, and it's just awesome. The drop in and drop out that 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 you get with 
emulation station and retroarch and all that stuff is is really cool my one gripe with this controller is every time that i start it up i have to reconfigure this controller because it's got like a c button and a z button and those are weird so I've got some some more tweaking to do with my with my retro setup. Plus, I want to get a, some Super Nintendo controllers. An 8-Bitdo just released a, uh, a four-button Neo Geo style controller, mm -hmm. and I want to pick that up. But I know that that and this and you know the Super Nintendo style controllers, like they're all going to have their own configurations, and I just got to figure out how to make it so that it's streamlined, so that my system knows. Oh, he's holding this controller. Let's load that thing and, and be done with it. And, Ross, I might pick your brain about that later. All right. Uh, well, th those are the games that we've been playing. Do you guys ready to move on to the news? Yeah, let's do yeah, it. Let's do it. All right. I want to start us off uh, with one that I am really I'm kind of uh, excited about this. But Final Fantasy XIV is coming to Xbox. That like we have seen a lot of people um positing that Square Enix and Microsoft were button heads. They weren't they weren't happy with each other. That's why we were seeing Final Fantasy 16, Final Fantasy 7 remake, be PlayStation exclusives not coming to the Xbox. Clearly the relationship between uh Microsoft and uh, Square Enix is strained, so that's why we're not getting those games on that system. But then uh, at Final Fantasy Fan Fest, which is uh, I think every couple of years they they have like this this big thing where they unveil the next Final Fantasy fourteen expansion, um, and that was in Las Vegas. And Yoshi P is standing up on stage talking about you know what they're going to bring to the next thing, and then he says, and by the way. I want to bring out a friend of mine, Phil Spencer, and people went bananas because <laughs> people have been asking to get this game on Xbox for 10 years. I know that I got my Xbox first before I got my PS5, and I wanted to play it on my Xbox, but I couldn't because I didn't have that at the time. Like, it wasn't an option. Well, next year, you're going to be able to play it. It's going to get a graphical upgrade. It's going to get new classes and stuff. And the new CEO, the new CEO of Square Enix came out, and he said, "Yeah, we're also going to be bringing other Final Fantasy games to Xbox." When I can't remember the exact wording he said, but he said like when appropriate or, or when possible or something like that. Um, so, Kyle, what what's your reaction to this? Do you think that this just goes to show that everybody who was, you know? predicting that there were relationship issues between xbox and square that they were wrong or maybe did the new ceo just come in and change things uh i don't think either necessarily i think that square is very conscious about putting out buggy or unmaintainable products and i think that all of their dev teams have a very limited bandwidth now that they're deprecating the ps4 version of final fantasy 14 they can finally have another console to put it on with the same amount of devs. I think that that's really what changed. Um, the legacy support has been killing the team for a long time, especially with graphical updates. So I would I would put my money on the fact that they just didn't want to release something they couldn't maintain. Yeah. Uh, so do you do you play Final Fantasy fourteen or have you played yeah. Final Fantasy fourteen? Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm in uh, Stormblood right now. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So that game is fantastic. It's really, really good. And if you get it, um, I don't know if you have to buy it or not, but I believe it's completely free to play from level one until level 70. And that is literally like hundreds upon hundreds of hours, right? So Yeah, it's up through Heavensward, yeah. So you didn't have to buy it until you got to Stormblood stuff, right? Uh, I bought it before that, but new players don't have to. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, Russ, what's your reaction to the Final Fantasy XIV news? Do you, is it something that you care about at all? So I never played it, uh, but it is one that I've always been curious about. I just don't have the time for anything like that. Uh, but it does make me optimistic about Final Fantasy 16, maybe potentially coming to the Xbox. And so that is kind of exciting for me as well. It's, I still haven't bought it on the PS5. It's a game I do want to play, but just haven't gotten around to it. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, <laughs> I own it. I played it, and then I I, de I decided I'm going to go back and finish Zelda first, right? So then I went back and f finished Zelda, and then I I after finishing Zelda, I was like, I can't play any games right now. I just I, my brain just couldn't handle it after after the amazing ending of of Zelda. Um, so I didn't play anything for like a week, and then I played retro stuff, and then yesterday. I loaded up Final Fantasy 16. I couldn't remember how to play. And I was like, oh, my God. So I got to go back to the hideout. And, like, there's, like, a stone thing that you can interact with and, like, do re, like do some combat practice. But I'm going to – I almost feel like I need to start over so that I can relearn how combat works. Or maybe I got to watch some videos or something. Um, I just wish that there was a uh, – Maybe there is. I haven't found it yet because I didn't look too hard. But I wish that there was a setting that said, let me redo the tutorials so that I can relearn the combat so that I wouldn't have to start over. Because that's that's the th kind of thing that happens to me is because I stop playing a game and then I you know get back to it later. Um, so Final Fantasy 16, Russ, you think a year before it comes or longer? Because they didn't do any Xbox development yet on it. Yeah, I would say it's going to be a while, but that's okay. I, I never even finished 15, so it's like, yeah, take your time. I'll be here. <laughs> that's fair. Uh, Kyle, how long do you think before we see Final Fantasy VII Remake? Uh, that one's going to be a little while, too, but uh, I think it would be a good deal shorter because it's already on PC, so the infrastructure mm -hmm. already exists. Right. So I would say that we could see an announcement as early as Gamescom, but I wouldn't expect it before probably q2 of next year and, and do you guys think that we would see uh what's the next one called rebirth 
which uh oh yeah final the fantasy next. 7 the, the next yeah. the sequel okay so rebirth do we do we think that rebirth comes out day and date on both platforms or does it have a year exclusivity on playstation first and then it comes to xbox a year later what do you think russ uh but that would be interesting it reminds me of like the whole um what, what game was it was a mass effect where there was like an issue where the first game hadn't come out on the ps3 and so they had to when mass effect 2 came out there was like a whole we'll catch you up kind of thing to it i might be thinking of yeah i think it was that and then there was another issue with like metal gear solid where it like had like you know one of the games had come out on only playstation 2 but then xbox 360 got like a remake and it was like a weird catch-up thing and so it would be interesting to see something like that where Final Fantasy VII Rebirth came out, but then what are they going to do about the others? Like, they have them all available beforehand? You know what I mean? Like, it's one of those where if you're in the Xbox ecosystem, how are you going to be able to catch up and jump into that game without having the past? And so, yeah, we'll see how it all plays out. That'll be interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for this for no other reason. Well, number one, Final Fantasy XIV is an MMO. The bigger the community is, the better that game is going to be. That's hands down that that's the full stop an easy easy answer to say also i really like that people who decided that they wanted to have an xbox instead of a playstation are going to be able to play square enix games uh, because there was a lot of people who were thinking that that wasn't going to be the case so this is good news for everybody except for fanboys who like to like simp for a plastic box um <laughs> all right let's move on uh kyle uh, why don't you pick something from the show notes and we can move on to that story. Oh, geez. Put me on the spot. I did. Uh, let's, <laughs> uh, let's go with Ubisoft. How about that? All right. So Ubisoft, boy, this one, this one, I, I made a video about, uh, a little bit where this is a really weird thing. So essentially, uh, this, this person who's at PC enjoyer on, uh, Twitter or whatever you want to call it these days. Uh, they said, Ubisoft closes your account. If you haven't logged in for some time, you will lose all your games purchased forever. All right. Mm -hmm. And then they showed an email that they had received where it says, uh, basically, we noticed that you have not been using your Ubisoft account associated with this email address. We've temporarily suspended your inactive account and we'll be closing it permanently in 30 days. Now, Ubisoft support to their credit replied to this person and they said hey there we just wanted to chime in and say you can avoid the account closure by logging into your account within 30 days since receiving this email pictured and selecting the cancel account closure link contained in the email we certainly do not want you to lose access to your games or account so if you have any difficulties logging in then please create a support case with us and my reaction to this is number one what if you don't have that email address anymore Right, right. You're not going to get this notification, and if you don't log in, then your account's gone. Number two, clicking on things in email is almost always a terrible idea, so that's also bad. Uh, Kyle, what do you think about this? Uh, I mean, I'd hate it in both in, both, in all senses of it, um, but I think it's. A testament to the fact that we have to start taking video game preservation more seriously, because if they can do this for individual users, there's no doubt that they will just do it for all users if they go bankrupt or something. And then I also don't like their, I, I, I saw it somewhere, I don't know if it's in that article, but they had a technical reason for it, for database maintenance was what they were saying. 
Um, that's nonsense <laughs> from a technical perspective. Um, so, I mean, like, it, it just, it stinks like they just want to clear people out and then not reimburse them with no valid reasons from either camp, either game preservation or uh, technical standpoint. And I, I can't agree with them in any way. Yeah, I heard so, so, that it had something to do with like data protection laws that they had to do this in order to be compliant with that. I'm not a lawyer. I don't understand that stuff. I, I think that if I bought something, I should have access to it, whether like that, that doesn't make any that, that as a data protection thing doesn't make any sense to me. How do you feel about this, Russ? What's your reaction yeah, I feel like it's a bit of a cop out. Like whatever reason they give, they've they're they're a company who's providing a service to their customer base where they should think of innovative ways to help out their customers, right? To be the good guy in that situation. If there is some sort of law where they have to do whatever, you know, privacy thing, there's got to be a way to get around it. Every other company is figuring that out. And so it's just a very anti-consumer kind of move, you know? Like the Steam, like the whole Valve thing is like a great example. I bought like Steam games, I don't know, back in like 2007, 2008 for the first time. And I got to be honest and probably... The five years following that, I didn't even log in once. There was a point where I think I put in two-factor authentication and I couldn't figure out how that worked. It was like, you know, early days of that stuff. And so I just didn't log in for the longest time. I had to end up like calling somebody in order to get my password back or whatever. And so I never lost all my stuff. Those games are still there from back in like 2007, 2008 in that five-year period. And so... Yeah, there's there's got to be a way around that, and there's got to be a way to be the good guy in that situation, and they're not doing it. Right, and they could they could blow a whistle and say, hey, th if th if it is a law thing that they're just trying to be compliant with, they should point at that and say, this is a problem, and you guys, our customers, are going to get screwed, and it's not our fault. Please help us do something about this. But they're right. they, like nobody knew about this, and then right. suddenly, PC Enjoyer gets an email and everybody's like hey wait a second that's not cool now they did say hey we, we're not we don't want you to lose your games we're not going to delete your stuff but they can mm -hmm. and that doesn't sound cool to me uh and like uh kyle you brought up game preservation did you see that story about uh hasbro doesn't have the the files anymore for the transformers games i did not see that yeah, <laughs> it doesn't surprise I, me. It, I, I'm going to bring it up on my phone real quick just because I don't have it on my computer and my computer's busy doing stuff. But over at PCGamer.com, here's an article that says, so there's a licensing agreement with uh, Activision that expired in 2018. There were a bunch of Transformers games which were removed. Um, and then during San Diego Comic-Con, a Hasbro spokesperson was talking to uh, people at a Q&A, and they asked about these old titles. And they said, sadly, apparently Activision's not sure which hard drives they're on in their building. When a company uh, eats a company that eats a company, things get lost. And that's very frustrating. Hope is now that the deal is moving forward with Microsoft and Xbox, they'll go through all of the archives and every hard drive to find it all because it's an easy game pass game i'm sorry that's it's an easy game pass ad we want those games back up for people who have who have a chance to play so like you, you bring up game preservation these companies they are not doing anything for game preservation i think we even talked about that on the last episode um yeah. wh what do you think about that kyle <laughs> 
it, I mean, it's it's sad, but it doesn't surprise me. Uh, like the spokesperson said, uh, companies eating companies, like stuff gets lost that way all the time. Um, but I mean, if you look at it from the other way, it wouldn't have been that much of a problem if it was primarily physical, right? If it was primarily physical, then somebody could just hand them a copy and they could, they could dump it using their encryption keys or whatever. And uh, they might not have the source files, but they could definitely redistribute it on Game Pass that way. So, like, they don't need to recompile or anything. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, that's just, it's, uh, it, it doesn't surprise me, but it is, it's very sad that I assume we're going to be hearing a lot of these. Right. Games are just going to vanish. Uh, Russ, can you pick one game, one game that you're afraid is going to vanish someday? Oh my gosh. You know, it's, it's a hard one. And it's funny because I was thinking to myself as you guys were talking, I'm like, you know, uh, I could give them a few websites to get the game back. But anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, like I think that that's a really hard one to say, you know, because there's so many that are nice and archived. But, you know, something like... Uh, no, I don't want. I don't want to say because it's on my desert island disc. So oh, we'll, we'll okay. talk about yeah. that later on. But yeah, there are certain games with that I just cherish their existence, and so yeah, I don't want those to go away at all. Fair. We will talk. We will revisit, revisit this at the end of the show. All right, uh, Russ, why don't you pick a topic for us to talk about from the show notes? So I want to talk about the Project Q leak uh, because okay. I didn't get a chance to read all of it. I was, you know, obviously on vacation. I did see a little bit about it. So uh, I did see that it is potentially Android based and it's going to have a touch screen. But do you guys have other information? So uh, go ahead, Kyle. I was just going to say the uh, the internals. Yeah, they look like a generic Android tablet, basically. Mm -hmm. um, nothing crazy, just a dual sense strapped onto that. Yeah, and uh, so like in the in the video, like you get to see like they're it's a touch screen, and they're they're going through and showing off a couple of things, and uh, you can see like they took the screen off. You can see the internals a little bit. Um, mm. I'm not a hardware guy, so that stuff does not jump out at me as uh, oh look at this, look at that. You know, I, like that's the kind of thing that I don't notice. But you know, one thing that I didn't see is an SD card slot. And oh. if this is a if it's a device that's designed for um, streaming, then I'm pretty sure it's going to have really, really low storage. Mm -hmm. And so anybody's hopes of doing any kind of emulating on this thing. Uh, and I, I assume that that's one of the reasons that you're very interested in it, uh, Russ, a.k.a. Retro Game Core. Um, yeah. I don't think it's going to be good for that. I'm still interested in the device, though, because, I, you know, being able to play my PlayStation when I'm not sitting over there at that couch on a device that it's meant for and not using my phone for it. I think that sounds cool, especially because it's an eight inch tablet. Um, what do you think about that, Russ? So, uh, yeah, I, I agree. Like I, the thing that really interested me, interested me about it is that Sony handhelds are like the largest, like hack community out there, right? People are still working on the PSP. I just saw there's a new, like, custom firmware that they released last week for the <laughs> PSP, you know, and then also obviously a PS Vita. And so I was hoping that it would, this would be like the third in a trilogy where they, you know, a whole community would get behind it and do all sorts of cool hacky things with it. But you bring up a great point with the storage thing. If there's no storage available, then what are they going to do? You know, and so, yeah, that kind of sucks. Um, I thought I saw, was there a potential price leak too? Was that part of it? I saw something like $150 floating around somewhere. Was so that just I saw, 
I saw two hundred dollars. I saw one ninety nine. Mm. Uh, but I don't know if that was just leak or. But I definitely like everybody, myself included, assumed that they're going to be shipping this thing at three hundred bucks. And at three hundred bucks, it's a stupid purchase. It's a, it's just a stupid purchase at three hundred dollars. But at one ninety nine or one fifty, holy cow! That's that to me. That's compelling. Now, Carrie, mm-hmm. who's currently on his way back from LTX. Uh, probably jet lagged, uh, um, much like our friend Russ here. Um, he has very strong feelings about this thing. He thinks it's stupid, and I'm sure that for his use case, uh, I, I, it makes perfect sense. But for me, I think for $150, this thing seemed like a really cool device where I could play my my PlayStation games anywhere in my house. Um, Kyle, did you see anything about $150? Uh, I've seen, like you, I've seen both floating around. Uh, I think 150 makes it more compelling, but I don't know if it makes it more compelling than one of the other retro handhelds or even like the AYN products because they start at 150, I think, or somewhere around there. 199, yeah. Yeah, so like, and those are much more capable with SD card slots and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I would assume that the hacking community would at least tear into it and probably replace the storage. You can solder on new storage if you want, but um, yeah, I would I would guess that they're aiming for 150, but I don't know if it's feasible if the backbone already is 99. dollars <laughs> Right. I I feel like the backbone being 99. dollars Like it's not 99 dollars because they have to make it that price in order for it to be profitable. Like they are w- making so much money on that thing. You know what I mean? Like yeah. There's no reason that that thing has to be $99. They could easily make that thing way, way cheaper and still make a profit on it. And that makes me say, well, okay, well, then this thing could be uh, uh, $150. And Sony might, they might not make money on it at $150, but it would further invest people into their ecosystem and it would make people much more likely to stick with PlayStation. I mean, I just bought this playstation then i bought the project q or whatever that is that they're going to call it so i'm going to keep buying my games on playstation that that's just good business sense even if they don't make a profit on that display i just i don't see sony doing it right um not hardware wise but just price wise because their their stuff is always so expensive and uh they they like to lock people in but i do agree with you kyle that people can just solder on new new stuff but that's that's a very small number of people that are right. going to do that kind of thing yeah i was thinking if 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 they're going to hack anything about it they should be able to hack so that you could play xbox game pass on it that would be amazing <laughs> that, that'll be in like the first day because of because of uh because of streaming like somebody will get into that operating system on the on right. day one and they'll be like wow here's we just downloaded xbox game pass from the the google play store or whatever right and they're off to the races but yeah. uh, as far as installing things locally i don't think that's going to happen just because of storage which sucks okay. what's what do you guys think the storage would be on something like that like 32 gigs i was thinking 64 <laughs> yeah yeah i was going to say 32 yeah 32 or 64 it, and that's yeah. Like you just gotta have enough room for an operating system, and and yep. maybe to do like updates for bugs or something like that. Right. All right. Let's yeah. move on to our next topic, and that would be Oblivion getting a remake. This is 
I'm excited for this because my first Elder Scrolls game that I remember playing was Oblivion. I got it on my Xbox 360, and I played that game. I never beat it because, you know, attention span of a gnat. Um, but I loved that game, and I thought it was so cool. In fact, when I got my Steam Deck, it was one of the very first games that I installed on my Steam Deck. And I went through and did, like, Steam input controls and stuff. I had so much fun playing that game but it's i mean it's not as good as skyrim there's a lot of things about it that don't quite hold up as well uh but it's possibly getting a remake this comes to us from video games chronicles um here's what they have to say uh new graphics are rendered in unreal engine 5 uh, most of the gameplay physics are still done in the oblivion engine uh, they also say that this is going to be released at the end of 2024 or early 2025, depending mostly on if it's a remake or a remaster. Uh, Kyle, how do you feel about this? Are you are you an Elder Scrolls junkie? Uh, yeah, I am. I've spent more time modding than I have breathing, probably. Um, <laughs> uh, my first game was uh, Morrowind, but uh, Oblivion is my favorite of the series by far, so I would love to see this. Um, I think that Skyrim is a little too dumbed down, but Oblivion has a little more depth. So I, I really, I really hope this is a true rumor. Um, so real quick, I just want to say that um, it's apparently it's being remade by Virtuos, which is the same company that is remaking uh, Metal Gear Solid Delta uh, Snake Eater. Um, Russ, what, are are you hyped for this, or are you like, well, I'll just play the old one? Yeah, uh, I'm kind of mixed about it. So I mentioned before, but I played a lot of Fallout 3 on the Xbox 360. I like played through all of it and all the DLC, which is a lot for me. And mm -hmm. I remember before Skyrim came out, I was like, oh, crap, I better learn what Oblivion is. And so I remember renting it from Gamefly. You guys know what that is, where it's like Netflix yeah. for games. Yeah, so I like rented that. I also wanted to get some achievements, and so that was part of it. But anyway, um, so I ended up playing probably... 20 40 hours of it all together so i probably didn't finish everything but i got pretty far in it and it took me a long time to warm up to it just because it was just so different than fallout initially at least at least in terms of cosmetically but once i started playing it i realized it was very similar there's just the whole bethesda premise where you just walk into a situation and you don't know what's going to happen it could be something where you just kind of walk in the park you're just killing some rats and you're done or it could just be that you're going to be in there for three hours like you don't know you know and so I really like that aspect of Oblivion, but I'm not sure I would be ready to go back to that. Like, this was, you know, a different time in my life. I just had a lot more time and more boredom. And so, mm. I don't know. I think nowadays my game choices are very deliberate. And something like that where, and we'll talk about this with Zelda too, is something like that where it just kind of opens up and just gives you more possibilities is a huge turnoff for me nowadays. I'm just like, no, <laughs> give me a linear path that I can follow. I want to see what the developers made. I don't want to see what I can make. And so, um, yeah, I don't think I would play it even if they made a remake, maybe just to test out the graphics and stuff, but that's probably a, you, you get analysis paralysis. Like you just too many choices and you're like, well, I'll just play something else. Yeah. I can see all those things and I want to do them, but I know that practically I can't actually do it. And so it just makes it like, I don't even want to start, you know? And so, yeah, I was, um, I went to my barber, uh, last week and we were talking about video games cause he plays video games and we were talking about Zelda and he was like, cause he's a huge Diablo fan, but right before Diablo came out, he ended up picking up Zelda and he was, he was, we were talking about Zelda. I said, did you finish it? And he's like, no, because Every time I go to play it, like I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go do this thing, 
and I walk five feet and I see a shiny thing off to the side. So then I go do that. And then I'm like, okay, I was doing this other thing. Well, wait, what's that? And it's just a continual, uh, you just, you, there's breadcrumbs everywhere instead of having breadcrumbs in a line. And so you end up making your own line instead of following a line that's left by the devs. And sometimes for me, that works really well. And sometimes it doesn't for me. For Zelda, that worked really well. For Skyrim, I couldn't tell you the story of Skyrim, and I have like hundreds of hours in that game because it was, oh, I'm going to go over here, and then I'm going to go into this house, and then I end up in a cave somehow, and then there's like some family is having some monsters attacking them in a book. It, it like It's like just one thing to the next to the next, and I never figure out what the main story, like I never go back to the main story because all the side quests are so compelling. Um, is that what you love about those games, Kyle? Is 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 that you get to have your own story instead of one that's given to you? Uh, yeah, for sure. I think that it's probably the best manifestation of the old like Nintendo Power days, where you just learn about this stuff through word of mouth, um, and it's just it's a very unique experience to not have the same flow of a game as your best friend or something, and to just hear, oh, I did this crazy thing and just go try to replicate it. I love that. That's awesome. Uh, Kyle, go ahead and pick a, a story for us to hit. Uh, let's see. Let's get... Uh, uh, let's do the 8-Bit keyboard because that thing looks amazing. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Oh my god, that looks so good. Alright, so for those of you that don't know, the 8-Bit Dough, or 8-Bit Do, yell at me in the comments if I pronounced it wrong. Uh, they made a mechanical keyboard. I know that Russ bought one. Uh, did. Kyle, did you buy one? I haven't yet, but I will as soon as I'm back in the U.S. <laughs> okay. Uh, it is inspired by the Nintendo Entertainment System or the Famicom. There's two versions of it. It is gorgeous. It looks so freaking cool. Um, Kyle, tell me why you're going to be buying this as soon as you get back to the States. Uh, I mean, obviously, the way it looks, and I uh, I love mechanical keyboards. I have a Keychron K8 Pro on my desk. Um, but I think that it would be great, uh, especially, hey, <laughs> <laughs> uh, especially for uh, Steam Deck, just uh, like to make a themed setup with the deck. It's, mm -hmm. It has Bluetooth and everything, so you don't need to plug in the dongle or anything. And uh, having a full mechanical keyboard to use with those devices is second to none. Yeah, the colors are fantastic. If you guys oh, haven't yeah. seen, if you're listening to the show, you gotta. You, I'll, there's a link in the show notes so you guys can see it. Um, it has like 
old school switches on it that you can turn. It's got buttons up top. It's got a giant A and B button. Um, Russ, you pre-ordered this. Is this because you're really hyped for it? Because you're going to use it or because it looks cool? <laughs> oh, it's probably like 90% because it looks cool. You know, like I'm just a huge, like NES is my favorite console of all time. And so I just love the look of it. And yeah, I agree. I love the, like, there's a volume knob, which is amazing. Um, but yeah, I'm probably not going to play it there very much. Although I did see someone on Twitter mention that, you know, it comes with that separate controller. that's a big B and A, but you could set those to be like loading a save state and saving a save state. And so if you're like playing on your computer, you just like boop, save the game or whatever. You keep going, oh, load it back up, you know. And so I like that idea. You know, there's certain games I'll play like that where I'll save a state right before a certain part. Like, for example, Tecmo Super Bowl. I will often do this like save state thing where I will save the state right before the, the snap. And then I'll see what I can do. And if I don't like what happens, then I'll load it again and do it over so that I can win 99 to 0 against the computer because that's as high as you can go. <laughs> and so I'll do that sometimes. I'll be like, I'm going to spend half hour just doing that because it's fun and it would be really fun to use that little uh keyboard attachment thing so yeah I'm, i am going to use it um but i i don't think i'll actually be typing on it much i think i'll probably just use it in the background of my videos and stuff it seems a little bit too high for me i use low profile keyboards just because it affects my thumb by hitting the space bar a lot with a higher keyboard even with a wrist rest it's really weird anyway and so i probably won't type on it as my main keyboard but i definitely bought one and so i'll be using it in my videos and stuff I'm curious when you do that Tecmo Super Bowl trick mm -hmm. that you're talking about, does the AI, AI, that's generous, <laughs> does the computer controlled character, do, is it the same play every time or does the, do they pick the play in the moment after that? So, you know, there's this screen where you guys each pick the play. After that screen, they've already picked their play. And so you basically, I, I usually will say state actually in the picking your place thing, and they'll pick the same one every time. And so that's what I was, it's, okay. Yeah, yeah. And so what I'll do is I'll pick like my defensive play and then see which offensive one they did. And if I don't like how it fell out, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go back and I'm going to try to pick the exact defensive play that they did because then you, <laughs> the whole team just kind of scrambles on them, you know? And so I'll sometimes do that. Or if I don't want to do that, like if I want to make a bunch of sacks, like so, for example, I try to get like so many quarterback snacks, or snaps or sacks, sorry, that uh, I'll get, uh, what do they call that when you get the two points when you get them in their other ends, a safety, right? Yeah. So I'll get so many safeties in a season that that guy will be my lead scorer for the whole team, like for the whole NFL, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I will do that all the time. Or I will also do like my my guy who's doing the one point like kickoff return or whatever. Not kickoff return. What do they call that? I don't know football, obviously. Return. Yeah. But, yeah. Your your post point like like you get a oh, touchdown and then you get yeah, yeah field goal right afterwards right your one point i'll also do that where that guy becomes the leading scorer too because he's scoring so many times from that one point after a touchdown that he gets <laughs> up there as well and so yeah I, I i just cheat that game so much but it's like one of the things i love doing and so yeah russ is a dirty <laughs> cheater and we love him for it it's <laughs> I love it. it's great <laughs> Uh, this thing is like completely customizable. You can like add in macros and stuff. They have the 8-BitDo Ultimate V2 software. I did not order one of these because it's $99, not because it's not worth that. I don't want to have another thing on my desk. And this, I would buy it in an instant if it had a numpad. It doesn't have right. a numpad. And a numpad is very important to me. I tried. I tried. I really did give it a shot, everybody. 
I tried using a keyboard without a numpad. And every time that I have to type a number, even if it's just like 87, I never use the numbers on the top row of my keyboard. I always use the numpad. It's probably from work in retail when I was, you know, in high school. Um, I can't, I just can't use a, a, a keyboard without a numpad. So this one's out for me. But I'm I'm jealous because it looks so damn cool. Which one did you order, Russ? The NES or the Famicom one? So Both. I was very torn. Uh, I got oh, okay. the NES one, but the Famicom is awesome. You know, it's got like the Japanese characters on it as well, you know, but it just doesn't have the same nostalgia. I think the colors are better on the Famicom one. I think that maroon color looks really great, but I just, uh, yeah, it, it just didn't make a lot of sense for me just from a practical standpoint. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go with the NES one. Awesome. Uh, uh, Kyle, if you if you get one when you get back to the States, which one are you getting? NES, for sure. NES. For the same I, reason, yeah. Let us know in the comments in, on the YouTube channel down below if you are if you're getting this, are you going with the Famicom version or are you going to go with the um, the NES version? Let us know because I also am torn. I, I agree with you, Russ. The colors of the Famicom are a thousand times better. Um, but I don't have nostalgia for Famicom, mm -hmm. so it, it makes it hard for me to uh, make that pick up. Uh, Russ, pick a pick a final topic for us before we get to the topics that were submitted. So let's talk about uh, the Switch follow-up next year, because that is one okay. I read about, uh, just because I was kind of interested about it. So the article basically, I, I didn't read this article, but I read a different one, and it basically said that the current idea is that it's going to come out for Christmas time next year. And so that'll be really interesting. It makes sense. You know, the gap between like the Wii and the Wii U was about six years. And I think the Wii U to Switch was about five years. And so it's overdue at this point because we're at, what, seven years now. And so, uh, yeah, it's got to be coming. And I've heard that people have dev kits and stuff like that already. And so, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it was leaked that the devs from not Metroid Prime. What's the Metroid Dread? Dread the right, devs yeah. from Metroid Dread, Mercury something. Uh, apparently, they have a dev kit. Um, that was a leak that we don't know if that's confirmed or not. Uh, but then we had this information from Video Games Chronicle, uh, where basically they're saying next year. What do you think about that as a release time? Usually, consoles launch around Christmas time. Um, the Switch launched in March with this almost like a soft launch because they had like no games at launch, but mm -hmm. they had Zelda. And that that uh, that kind of propelled the switch forward, and then all of the devs were like, or publishers were like, "Oh, okay, this is not a Wii U situation. This is an all hands on deck. We got to start making games for for Switch." Um, what do you think about that as a launch uh, time, Kyle? Uh, I think it makes a lot of sense, especially considering the timings for the other console makers. Um, usually the Nintendo variety comes out around the same time as a, uh, like a pro edition of the other consoles, which are also sort of rumored to be late next year. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that that would be the only way that Nintendo could remain competitive during holiday season next year. And if all the, I mean, all games come out or a lot of major games come out during the holiday season. So that would be a gimme for uh, like a boost to the Switch 2 sales, especially if it doesn't have backwards compatibility. Uh, wait, if it wait if it doesn't if, if have backwards, yes. So can you? I don't know if it will that? or not. <laughs> right, yeah, I don't we know, know if you it don't will know. or not. But um, I mean, I mentioned it the other uh, on another podcast, but I think that 
it could be difficult for them because there's no clear upgrade path to a much newer ARM processor that could also run Switch games at full speed. So the only way I could see them doing backward compatibility is a PS2, PS1 situation with an additional chip on board. And I think that if it's a portable console like the Switch, that could kill power consumption. So I don't know if they'll be able to make it backwards compatible uh, like to the same degree that previous consoles have been. Also the media. Like the Switch has these weird carts, yeah. right? Uh, so does that mean that if the, if it is backwards compatible, then the next system has to support those weird carts? Kind of like when the... Game Boy Advance came out, it had the Game Boy s slot in the bottom of it and the Game Boy Advance slot on the top of it, if mm -hmm. I'm remembering correctly. Might have been some, might, that might have been like the DS or something. That was the, the DS, DS, yeah. It yeah. was the DS, thank you. Uh, so, Russ, do you think that this thing's going to be backwards compatible with, uh, with, with the old, the old uh, uh, media? Yeah, I'm really hoping so. You know, in the article I also read, I, I saw that it was going to be a cartridge-based system. They didn't specifically say it was going to also use the same Switch cartridge, you know. But, um, yeah, I'm really interested in seeing that. I think that backwards compatibility is going to be a must. You know, it's going to just be one of those things that from a consumer standpoint, uh, I don't think that a lot of households are going to want to have the Switch and then the Switch 2 also, you know, hooked up to their TV. And so it would be really great if they could replace it, maybe pass on the old Switch somebody else or put it in another room or something like that and so yeah i really do hope that they do the backwards compatibility how they figure that out will be crazy you know i had a thought while kyle was talking and i'm like oh i wonder if they're just going to use like they're going to hire the yuzu team to just like figure out emulation you know go x86 <laughs> and they'll just put yuzu on there and then they'll just like emulate the game and if they can do that by putting in the cartridge and then running it off that i'm not really sure if that's possible but um yeah who knows i mean they've, they've obviously probably thought through a lot of these things and they're always innovative and so who knows maybe they'll surprise us in a good way uh, if it if it's a cartridge-based system then i think that it has to be a port it's also going to be a portable system there's no good reason to do a cartridge-based system unless it's for portability because you know you bring a blu-ray or whatever or even you know they skip you know, you move them around too much, they skip, You, you something's going to screw up. Optical media doesn't work very well in, in that regard, so that's why they went with the uh, cartridges. So if it's true that it's cartridge-based, I don't see any good reason. It, first off, then we know it's portable. But secondly, I don't see any good reason for them to switch formats unless there's a limitation to the current format that we're not aware of. The like size, but Nintendo's really good at optimizing can, for size. I can Go speak ahead, that a little bit. Do so. Um, the uh, the current Switch cartridges, like uh, Luigi's Mansion and a lot of the bigger ones, um, those are only half the cartridge internally. If you open it up, it only mm -hmm. the actual chip only consumes half the char the cartridge. Um, so you could easily double down on storage density just by expanding that to the full footprint of the mm -hmm. of the actual cartridge itself. Um, and also, I mean, a, a next-gen hardware could have a hardware decryption layer, kind of like uh, the PS5 or Xbox series. So they could compress the assets down further without any lossiness. Mm, okay. Well, would that make them way more expensive, though, uh, if they doubled the storage on them? 
Uh, I mean, flash memory is dirt cheap. I mean, look how much you can pick up a 16 gig micro SD for. So, like, it it should be fine. Like, it would it would be comparable. Well, I mean, but at the same time, think about it. When the Switch came out, we had the Switch tax because companies were like they didn't want to spring for um, the more expensive cartridges, so they mm-hmm. were charging people more money. So I think that we would probably like Nintendo's already selling games at seventy dollars. Do we think they get more expensive, Russ? What do you think? <laughs> I hope that if anything, that just stand that a standard norm becomes seventy dollars. You know what I mean? Like that probably is a likely scenario. Companies are going to figure out a way. Okay, how can we charge more without looking <laughs> like the bad guy? And so, yeah, I can see that coming in the future. I hope they don't go over seventy. You know, do the limited edition hundred dollar versions. You know what I mean? Like get their money back that way with those extra big fans. But yeah, I'm hoping that the base price will still remain sixty seventy dollars. Uh, Kyle, do you think there's any let's let's pretend that this thing is not backwards compatible. Do you think there's any chance that they just say, you know what? No cartridges, no discs, digital only. Screw you, GameStop. Do you think they do that? I was actually about to mention that. Yes, I think that that's <laughs> uh, that's pro- like if it's not backwards compatible, that's their most likely path. Um, I mean, just uh, I, w- I would be hesitant to like it, considering they just shut down the eShops last year. Mm-hmm. But um, I would I would say that that's probably what they would do, especially because the eShop as it is, is raking, in the, raking them in so much money already. Um, I mean, there's basically no overhead to that. And every, every game in the eShop, if it's $60, is raking in more money than a physical copy. So I don't see why they would continue charging uh for the overhead of that yeah all right let's move into the topics that were submitted for uh from last episode we had this one come in from rue 3005 they said combining desert island discs and the best year selection from a previous show if stuck on a desert island what five games would you want with you but each game needs to be from a different decade so we had to decide ahead of time if 2020s would count as a decade because we are in this. And because some of us are too young to remember the 70s, we decided we'll we'll skip the 70s and we'll go with 2020s. But let's work forward from the 80s. Let's start in the in the in the 80s. Um, Kyle, what is your pick from the 80s? What's what's your Desert Island game from the 80s? This might surprise you guys, but Tetris. Oh, okay. Oh, that's a smart choice. <laughs> so uh for the for which system game boy uh probably the nes i would say okay yeah. awesome uh russ what about you so i picked dragon warrior uh this is an interesting one so i've talked about this on the podcast because i talk about this game all the time but i recently made a video where i was talking about playing pokemon on the rg nano like a little handheld device and i mentioned that i feel like i'm too old for pokemon and people got upset about that they're like you know i played pokemon as a kid i'm not too old and i'm like okay that's the thing is I did not play Pokemon as a kid. I played my first Pokemon game when I was 20 years old and I was I just felt too old for it even back then. And so I don't have that nostalgic like resonance, but I do have the same with Dragon Warrior. That's a game I can play over and over again and I have. And so if I was to play a game, you know, from the 1980s and I, I thought about this a lot with the Desert Island part, where I was like, OK, I need a game that has a lot of depth or replayability. And so for me, I picked Dragon Warrior, even though like this is my era, you know, like the NES era. 
this is the one that I would pick, even though it's not my favorite NES game of all time. Yeah, so for me, uh, I think those are both awesome picks, by the way. Um, but for me, for the 80s, I went with replayability. And uh, I decided that I wanted to have the Sega Genesis version of Ms. Pac-Man. Uh, mm. I played that so much growing up. And it's the thing that I love most about it is it has like a fast mode. So like right at the very beginning, you can be like in fast mode in Ms. Pac-Man on the Genesis. And it is such a fun game. Uh, and I just had to go with a Pac-Man game for nostalgia uh, because Pac-Man is like one of my favorite things ever. So uh, Miss Pac-Man uh, for the Sega Genesis, that's my 80s pick. That came out in 1984. Let's move forward to 1990s. Kyle, what would you pick and why? Uh, I picked pick the original Baldur's Gate on PC uh, because it's one of my favorite games of all time. So I... I mean, I've already put well over 2,000 hours in it throughout my life, so I might as well just keep riding that coaster to the end. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what, what class are you going to roll at the beginning? Uh, I would probably go, if we're talking the original one, you don't have any of the expanded edition classes. Yeah. So I would say probably, probably a mage and then dual class to thief later on, or dual class to fighter, one of the two. Awesome. Russ, what's what's your '90s pick, and and uh, why? Uh, so Super Mario World for the Super Nintendo, because I, I kind of went with both replayability and depth in that one, because I've never, like, 100% of that game. I've actually never beat the game. I, this is one of those, like, poor confessions. But, yeah, I've never beat that game. And so I was like, okay, if I'm going to be on Desert Island, I'm going to pick a game that, like, I, I just have always wanted to play. Initially, I thought, oh, maybe, like, Chrono Trigger or Final Fantasy VI. But I was like, no. I got to go with Super Mario World. Like, that's a game that I will enjoy from level one all the way through it. And so, and, you know, like those, as you go through the world map, you see, like, the little red dot. And the red dot means that you haven't beat everything yet. And so uh, I have a lot of red dots on my map when I go through that world. So there's a lot of that game I still haven't figured out. I, I, that's, I don't 100% games. That is one game that I have 100%ed. And I, I went through... I played it on, I mean, I obviously played it on the Super Nintendo. Uh, I have a whole story about me and the Super Nintendo in that game, but I'm not going to get into it here mm -hmm. because it's too long of a story. Um, but I also ended up picking it up on the Game Boy Advance. And mm -hmm. if you went through and got all of the big coins and finished the game, then the game started over again. And the big coins, which were dragon coins, were re replaced with princess coins. And so then you could go through and get them all again. And I did both of those things because I wow. love that game so much. And that's why I almost picked it for, for mine. But I went with one that had more depth. Uh, and it fast forward from 1984 Ms. Pac-Man all the way to 1999. I was right at the end of the 90s. EverQuest. Uh, Russ, Russ asked at the beginning, are, do, we, can, do we have internet for this? Yes, we have internet because <laughs> I, I'm not playing. I want EverQuest. EverQuest, which came out in 99. I adore that game. Um, it is like this massive world, and there's so much to experience in that game. And I have so much nostalgia for that because it was funny. I, I used to have a podcast called 143 Pixels, and I was interviewing David Brevik about it. And he's the creator of Diablo. And we were talking about EverQuest because he picked that game to talk about. And he and I were wistfully remembering like corpse runs where you got killed and if you don't get back to your corpse and get your stuff like 
you you level down and like you have to run naked through all these monsters to get to your corpse to get your gear back and we were like remembering that and smiling about it and i can imagine people being like that sounds terrible but it was <laughs> awesome at the time and if you're looking for a game to put lots of hours into on a desert island everquest is it that's why i went with that one uh kyle what's your 2000s uh game uh i'm gonna say twilight princess for this one mm. uh just because it's uh it was until very recently my favorite zelda game so uh i could i could play that one over and over again how game many times have you played it oh good good question russ uh i can answer how many times i played it uh i think i've put probably 15 or 20 playthroughs into it into it already uh wow. russ what did you say uh gamecube or wii Oh, I played it on the Wii, so I'm the backwards guy. That's all I had it on, and it still messes with me on the HD version. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, Russ, what about you? So this is a great era, too, because I thought initially I thought, okay, maybe a GameCube or a PS2 game, but then also Xbox 360 was in the 2000s, and so uh, I actually didn't pick either of those. I went with Wii Sports because that is a game yeah. I can just never get tired of. And so both the bowling and the tennis, like those are the two games that I can just play those forever. So, Yeah, the bowling was like I, when we got the Wii, like people like my 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 mom would come over to our house and play the bowling game with us you know like my mom does not play video games but she came over and was like oh let's play the let's play that bowling game that's awesome <laughs> so yeah that's that's a really good pick um so for me i went with uh kind of inspired i mean not inspired by kyle because we picked our stuff beforehand but i ended up going with tetris ds the best tetris mm -hmm. game in my opinion i agree um, i adore that game tetris ds is so so good there's something about the size of the screen that makes tetris that makes me better at tetris when i play on tetris ds and the if you've never played it there's this awesome head-to-head -head mode where you're on the top screen the person you're playing against is on the bottom screen and you're trying to shove the lines to the other screen and everything is nintendo related so you've got like nintendo or like mario music in the in the game when you're playing and zelda stuff like stuff walking across the screen while you're playing it's so good it is my favorite tetris game ever and i really really wish that nintendo would re-release that somehow because it's it's i mean well i don't think it'll ever happen because it's a dual screen game uh but tetris ds is my pick uh mm -hmm. 2010s kyle would you pick uh, Skyrim, uh, just for the uh, the incredible replayability and the ability to mod it, assuming that we do have internet, like Russ asked, uh, <laughs> then I would uh, I would basically uh, never run out of content. So, yeah. what, what's the first mod you want to install when you install Skyrim? Uh, it's a silly, stupid one, but it's one of the first mods that came out. It's called the Parthenox Dilemma. Uh, you get a friend uh, dragon somewhere in the uh, story. I'm sorry if there's any spoilers here, um, but eventually you have to kill him. And that's a stupid move, even lore-wise. So that makes it so you don't have to. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, Russ, what about you for 2010s? 
So I was uh, thinking about something with a lot of depth in this one too, and that's just why I asked about the internet. And so initially I had picked Final Fantasy XIV because it's a game I haven't touched at all, but I was like, you know, I even mentioned earlier in this podcast, it was like, I just don't have the time, but on Desert Island, I would, you know? And if I was going to play an MMO, I think that's probably the one I would probably choose. But then I thought, okay, well, hold on. If I'm going to play MMO, then I'm going to play Destiny. And so, uh, so I ended up thinking that Destiny 2 is actually probably the one I would use in, in the 2010s. Um, even though I really love the first one there's just so much content and depth in destiny 2 and so that's probably what i would choose instead of final fantasy 14 um even though that one was almost the choice that i made nice uh, i ended up going with uh, this is what i actually have written on there because i wasn't sure which way i wanted to go i said skyrim or minecraft and then in parentheses with mods so mm. like i'm not playing either of those games without the mods um I'd be more likely to play Skyrim without the mods, but Minecraft, I absolutely want to have the mods so you can do stuff yeah. like the um, uh, Sky Factory, uh, where you start out just like on a dirt block on a tree, and you have like I ended up you end up building like nuclear reactors and stuff. There's so much depth to Minecraft, and so that's why I ended up going with that one. Uh, 2020s. I'm I'm not going to say what I think everybody's going to pick, but everybody, before we say what these are, go ahead and put type a comment down below. Tell us what do you think we're gonna, we're about to say. Kyle, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> nobody would guess this, but Tears of the Kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it's basically like I think it's probably the best game that's been ever made, objectively speaking. So, like, I, it, I can't pick anything else. Yeah, uh, Russ. I did not pick that. So, oh, okay. Like, we, I even, like, before we started, I said, there's no way you guys picked the ones that I picked. And then one of you guys was like, oh, well, we all picked the same 2020s one. And I'm thinking, oh, they probably mean Tears of the Kingdom. And I didn't even think of that game. As oh, a dog wow. Show. I can't yeah. wait to find so, out what you picked. <laughs> so I ended up uh, thinking a lot about this, too. Uh, the one I kind of came down to is actually God of War Ragnarok. Because when I finished that game, and I was, I think, earlier this year, right, when it first came out, I took like three days off from working. And I was like, you know what, I'm not going to do any YouTube stuff. I'm just going to play this game. And I just dove into it. And I remember when I finished, I thought to myself, I can't wait to forget everything that just happened so I can play it all over again. That's how much I just love that story. And then also, uh, I didn't finish everything. I just finished the story. I didn't finish all the other side stuff. And so I'm looking forward to going back and doing that, too. For me, that's the perfect game where I like a linear game. I like something where it's telling me the story. But then also there's enough choice where I can go off and do other things if I want to. It's not like Last of Us where it's like you're just playing the story. There's not much else to it. There's just enough there that is a little bit open world. And so that's probably what I would choose instead. And so, yeah, I went with Ragnarok. And I ended up going with Tears of the Kingdom for all of the same reasons that, that Kyle went with it. It is, in my opinion, the greatest game ever made. And... The only reason I'm not still playing it right now is because I want to experience these other games. So I had to force myself to stop playing because it's just it's just so, so damn good. All right. We had one more topic that was sent in by uh, Fender178. They said, here's another possible topic. With Activision Blizzard purchasing by, uh, by Microsoft entering its final stretch, so to speak, what do you guys think of the possibility of World of Warcraft coming to consoles like the Xbox? Um, Kyle, I you know I posted this as a possible topic, and you had a very fast answer. Go ahead. Uh, my answer was literally neat but unlikely, uh, and I guess I'll elaborate on that. Um, so first, I think that first of all, it's a game that 
is built with a massive amount of buttons and screen real estate in mind uh, that wouldn't play very well on controller without a complete revamp that would alienate their existing player base. And second of all, it would be that existing player base. Um, the the player base that would come from Xbox and the ones that exist, I don't think would mesh very well. If they do a Final Fantasy XIV thing where everybody's in the same worlds, then the people on console are probably going to be toxic out of the room. And uh, if they're in different worlds, then I don't know if subscriber count would stay high enough. Um, what I do think might happen is a free WoW subscription with Game Pass Ultimate, though. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, Russ, if World of Warcraft came to Xbox or consoles, would you uh, play it on there? Uh, you know, this is one I've always been a little bit curious about over the years, but I've always been super intimidated because of the amount of inputs and in the keyboards and macros and all that kind of stuff. Like, it's just oh, so overwhelming. And so I never, ever even tried that game once. If it was just something that was on Xbox and on Game Pass and I could just download it and try it and they maybe revamped it so I could use it with a controller, sure. I mean, I played Diablo 4 for the first time, my first Diablo game this year, because it's like very console friendly. And so I could see something like World of Warcraft, at least, you know, dipping my toe in it for a little bit. So for uh, I played World of Warcraft was one of my favorite games, is one of my favorite games of all time. I haven't played since... Uh, Cataclysm. Since the end of Cataclysm. I mean, I dipped my toe in a couple times after Cataclysm, and people who'd never played it, you're like, what's that? That's one of the expansions. It's been a long time since I played that game. But one thing that I, I have noted is that Blizzard has been slowly adding in things that make it more console-friendly. So one thing is they made the action camera. The action camera kind of takes this the camera, the way the camera used to work in World of Warcraft, which was very, very much top down, looking like looking down on your character, and put it behind the shoulder of your character, and when you, it's it's an optional thing that you can turn on, and oh man, it completely changes the way the game feels. It feels a lot more like an action game, and it absolutely feels more like a console game when you play the game that way using the action cam. Secondly, when the game first came out. It was absolutely, uh, you're absolutely right, Russ. It was a piano game where you have a hundred different buttons that you have to press. <laughs> um, it's not like that anymore. A lot right. of the abilities that you have have been like removed and they very much streamlined it. So you can pretty much get away with like one row of keys. If you've played Final Fantasy 14, then you know that like you have a mountain of abilities that you, you access through the controller. And it works just fine. Like, I, I think you probably have like 30 different abilities on, on any character. And you can access all of that stuff to, with different trigger, bumper, and thumb, uh, like D-pad and uh, uh, face button inputs. So I do think it would work on controller, no problem. And in the last expansion, there was data mining that found... Um, hooks for traditional controllers built into World of Warcraft. They never actually put that stuff there, but there were hooks that were found by data miners. So I do think that it's possible that the game comes to console. The one reason that it might not 
is because of what Kyle said, the toxicity, where people would just be like, oh, stupid console player, get out of here. We don't want you. But, uh, I mean, it, I know it's an MMO. You don't really communicate with randoms very much. You just queue for a dungeon, show up, kill a monster, and leave. And so nobody's necessarily going to know if you're on a console or not. And Final Fantasy XIV mixes everything together where you could be a mouse and keyboard player or you could be uh, um, like a controller player and it works just fine. And I think that WoW could come to Xbox. I really hope it does because it's it's, it's just really, really fantastic. So um, if, if it did come to console, would you play it on console, Kyle? Uh, if I had an Xbox, I would at least try it. I've tried it a few times before. And I have also made like complex joy to key setups to do exactly what you were saying, like Final Fantasy fourteen eyes it. Um it still never felt right, but if they if they did overhaul it, I would at least give it a try. That's awesome. Uh, let us know what you guys think in the comment section down below. And that pretty much does it for this episode of the Nerd Nest Podcast. Kyle, tell everybody what videos you've been working on, man. Uh, I'll say the one that I just released, which is a uh, Steam Deck hardware modding for thermals video where I test uh, six different products to uh, try to cool the Steam Deck down way below what stock is. And uh, I came up with some really interesting results that I was not expecting. Yeah, so make sure you guys check that out over at Cryobyte33 on YouTube. That's C-R-Y-B-O-T-Y-T-E uh, 33 on YouTube. And Russ, what's your latest video or your next video? So I did that travel one, but uh, the next one I'm working on is going to be an impressions video of the One X Fly. So this is the One X player's new like flagship handheld. It's smaller and has a 1080p 7-inch screen with a 120 hertz refresh rate. And so I am interested in this one because it's the only other handheld PC besides the ROG Ally that has that refresh rate. And so I just kind of want to see how it's all going to play out. Uh, it also has like customized RGB lighting on the sides of it. And so they put my name on the device itself. And so it shows like RGC, like pulsing and RGB, which is kind of neat. So oh, uh, yeah, so, so I'm going to cool do a one. quick impressions of that one uh, and see how that stacks up against competition. The Indiegogo is not live for it. I don't know what the prices are going to be. Maybe they've announced it, but I don't see it on their page. And so that's going to come down to, uh, you know, whether or not it's going to be worth buying. So what I'm going to do is an impressions video, at least of, hey, this is how it is. And then when the campaign goes live and they have the pricing and all that stuff, and I'll say, okay, now here's my review of like whether or not I think you should buy it. So um, for that device, does it have FreeSync as well? I don't know. Like I, I, I literally like I, I pulled it out of the box and I've done like a little bit of testing with it, but I haven't actually gotten to the weeds about it yet. So I'm not sure. I, well, I hope it does, well, but you never know. <laughs> Look for Russ's video over at Retro Game Core on YouTube so that you can find out whether or not this uh, thing has a free sync. And uh, I'm really curious what the what the RGB looks like with your with your stuff on it. That's really awesome. If you yeah. are watching this on YouTube, make sure that you like the video and uh, share it with somebody that you think is awesome. Or, you know what, send it to if you thought the video was terrible, send it to somebody you hate. Um <laughs> If you're listening to this and your favorite podcast player, please do rate the podcast if that is a, an option. It, it helps out a ton. And uh, thank you guys for hanging out with us from the Nerd Nest. I'm Bill. Stay rad, everybody.